My name is Wazir. And my name is John Muhammad, and we're your guests for the Business Building Blocks podcast. How you doing today? I'm fantastic. What about yourself? I'm doing great today, too. I'm feeling real uh, strategized, you know, because it's a brother in here who works with, with a game that teaches you strategy and, right. you know, things like that. <laughs> the chess master himself. That's right. We have a guest in the studio. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Coach Cliff with King Chess League. Um, thank you for having me. It's a great opportunity. Absolutely. And your son, your co-host. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> co-host, uh, got my oldest son here, Kyrie uh, Muhammad, um, top 10 in the in the, in the the state of Texas in chess. All right, then. Wow. So, this bump. Two right, masters, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. The young soldiers, see, that's what it's all about. Uh, we're doing this for that Joshua generation. And those of us who understand, we understand what that means, what that's all about. The business building blocks, it's not just about building build businesses. It's about kingdom building, nation building. And you're not going to build anything without people. And the people that's going to inherit that promised land is the Joshua generation. <laughs> mm. I just so, realized there's two fathers and two sons. We're doing this right, right now. Wow, wow, yeah. You know so this is beautiful. Team. Well, this we talk about building businesses, and if y'all heard our earliest episodes, we talked a lot about restaurants when we were doing our businesses of the week, which we need to get back to that. Okay. But when we were doing our businesses of the week, we talked about restaurants. Mm -hmm. And people who have restaurants, one uh, service they can offer their customers mm -hmm. is delivery, but that's okay. kind of hard to do to set that up. You may have to get a vehicle. You may have to get insurance for that. Okay. So it's a lot of... Um, groundwork you would have to do for that. One way that businesses can tap into that delivery, you know, service is through something called Uber Eats. Uber Eats. What Uber Eats. And it's not just Uber Eats. There's Uber Eats. There's something called DoorDash. There's something called Favor, you know, and also Postmates. And these are now, all they, services. They, these are um, internet apps. These are apps that are on your phone. And what it does is you can you post your menu up and then you you enter this database okay. and then from there customers can find your restaurant and order from it and what i've noticed because me I, personally i am a uber eats carrier or whatever you want to call okay. it that's one of my side jobs i do many things but that's one of my side hustles and what what i've noticed is that small businesses like i i deliver from ethiopian spots you know these soul food spots that okay. are in the hood and i'm noticing these black businesses are booming and then you go in there, it's really, it might not be anybody in the restaurant, mm -hmm. but you hear that ding, ding, you know, going well, off. What I'm thinking about is traditionally you have, say, the pizza industry. Right. And uh, Domino's Pizza, for example. They have their own delivery drivers. And so what you're saying is that uh, the, the, the delivery service is applied to restaurants and is, they, they're not loyal to one restaurant. Right, exactly. And uh, I would say it's, everybody knows about the ride-sharing thing, the ride-sharing apps where, you know, you got Uber Eats and then some people have Lyft, you know, the, the right. different companies. What Uber they and did, Lyft as, as compared to the taxi industry. Exactly. So this is all relative to, I think they have these algorithm, algorithms and things that figure out what's near you. Okay. You know, so when you're delivering, things come fast because your customer, when they search, like, you know, I want, you know, dessert. Mm -hmm. And it'll search places that are near them. Okay. And it'll, you know, they'll be able to pick places and it'll send one of the drivers to get it. So they right. already have a database of drivers. Most of the right. drivers also transport people. 
So they already have a framework, and what you're doing is basically plugging into a huge framework. People use Uber to get all kinds of places all over the world. It's sort of like the, the package delivery business, uh, but it's applied to the food restaurant industry. Right. And uh, so you're saying it's a shared de a food delivery app. So does the customer register for this, uh, to have the food delivered? Or the business register? How did that work out? Well, we're talking to businesses right now uh, if they want that opportunity. But if you are a person who wants to order food, you sign up as a regular person. Okay. But, but what you go both both the business and the customer are both register, signed up. Register with the app. Yeah, but it's two different ends. Okay. One end is I, I understand you uh, sending it out, and the other end is you 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 getting it. So I I, I read on the internet that uh, in Houston that it has increased the uh, revenue for restaurants over threefold. Wow. And I, I'm, 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 I'm imagining that there's a whole new emerging market for those small uh, single restaurants or mom and pop shops right. that could not afford the delivery service. So is this, is, is this enormous cost? No, 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 it's not a cost. It's not a cost. You just register with them. Okay. Basically, I just searched it in the sign up with Uber Eats specifically, which you can search any of these other names. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is say, type in in Google, Uber Eats for restaurants. Okay. And then you'll go in there, and then basically you send in your business name, your business location, your menu, your average takeout orders, and they, from there, they register I with mean, you. I recommend that uh, for, and not, not just uh, res restaurants. But some of those uh, apps is for other businesses, right? Exactly. Uh, right. So now, if if the e-commerce, I believe the internet is this new emerging market mm -hmm. technology. Right. So now, if we uh, we blacks in business, you know, we, we entrepreneurs, you know, we 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 want to go into business, and it it is it appears that it's an enormous amount of cost involved. But now you're saying these are affordable. These these technologies are affordable, so we need to look into that. We, if you're in a you're in the restaurant business, explore that in Houston, for instance. We're in a major market here, fourth largest city in America, four or five million people. I think in the uh, metropolitan area, if you include the surrounding areas, it may be about ten million. And That's undocumented people. <laughs> Well, not in a funny way, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, you can't count that. So it's like, it's a lot of people here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not, uh, and everybody eats. Everybody, not everybody eats. You know, that's one thing I noticed about, and, you know, we we in the, the education or the re-education business, and we uh, we always uh, promoting literature. Right. But uh, everybody may not be reading, but I guarantee you everybody's eating. <laughs> True. Exactly. True. So we need to get involved in that. Now, if we uh, have a business, uh, we have a food product, uh, consider the technology, the delivery apps. And Uber's only one. You said Favor was another another one. Uber Eats is one. Yeah, Uber Favor's Eats. Favor's one. Favor, DoorDash, Postmates. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the, the, the major ones that I see. Because when I'm out there, you'll see multiple. I'll be in one restaurant, 
and it'll be four different. You might see all four different services in there at one time. Okay. You know, and they, they, they're just going out, coming out, coming out. And I'm just like, how much money are these businesses making? It's probably, right. and like you say, threefold, and it's probably taking a business that's kind of slow. They might get, you know, four or five customers in a day. Some of these, it might boom it all the way out to yeah. it. They might get 100 orders in a day, um, you know. And I actually patronized a young brother that started a pizza restaurant. Oh, yeah. And he started out at his home. But he's in the Midtown Museum District area. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's 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 delivering pizza. He have the pizza bag and everything, and he's, de- he's delivering pizza. I think this would just transform his operation. Yeah. He can go in, because we believe in building businesses and expanding businesses. And we believe that if if you if we build businesses now, that's going to reduce unemployment because we're creating jobs. Now, if we create jobs, now the brothers don't have to hustle on the street no more. Right. I see you got your son here. Right, right. He looking, you know, he want those new new sneakers. He want the Jordans. <laughs> he want the gold, you know. He want the bling bling. So how could I come up? You know, and on a job, it's hard to come up on minimum wage. So now if we build businesses, we don't have to hustle. You see, we create opportunities. Right. So that's going to that's gonna reduce crime and violence. Because mm. now I'm gainfully employed now. That's going to reduce single-parent households. Our sisters, we run off. She's pregnant now. We run off uh, because of the responsibility of a family. But now the brother can stay there, take care of his baby, his child, and the mother of his child. He's gainfully employed now. Right. Now we start addressing our own problems. You see, all our social uh, problems, we start addressing those problems when we start building businesses. We start doing something constructive for ourselves. Does that mean the rest of us that uh, got a job, got a career, we still have a responsibility to participate in this Buy Black campaign. Right. We need to support those fledgling businesses. And then you name another business opportunity because these uh, delivery drivers are self-employed. All and, and most of them look look like us. When they I'm out con- there, you but, see a but, lot of. But I'm proud of that because they're contract employees. I mean, they they business owners. Right. They're contractors. They're not employees. And you can hire, you, it's a sense where you're going into business, it's for a, a bigger framework, but you're kind of going into business for yourself within okay. that. Because I've went on like four or five what are it, interviews in the okay. past few months. Right. I ain't getting none of those jobs. But right. I've been working over this whole time. And it just showed me that I should be in business for myself. Like we doing this podcast, right. I'm doing my music, filming and stuff like that. It just showed me that I need to be doing things to where I can control my own destiny. A lot of times we look at these companies and we say, ah, oh, that ain't us. We don't own that. They just making money off of us. But we should also see the opportunity within that. Right. Because the contracting opportunities, you are self-employed. Right. You're a business person now. You you participating in the market. Mm-hmm. And now a growing market. You see, now say for instance, we were investing, we pooling our resources like they did with the food co-op. You know, according to the message to the black man, the most unobliged Muhammad said, six of eight of you that understand the grocery business, pool your resources and open up a grocery store. And a perfect example of that is New Waters right here in Houston. A black-owned food co-op. That means a group of people came together to farm this business. And they have an urban garden. 
and maybe they can even benefit from a delivery service. You know, a lot of us uh, 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 baking uh, pies, bean pies. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, maybe we could deliver the bean pie. Yeah, right. Just uh, register with with, with with the with a, with a delivery service, whether it's Uber or Favor, or maybe we create our own. Yeah, but delivering is a, a with technology, uh, your product directly to your customer. Yeah, it's just about moving with the times. Right, like you got to be able to move with the times, and we we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Like I hear some brothers. Or different people come up to me, and, and you know how we have Apple Music, right. we have Tidal, and well, Tidal is a good example of recreating the wheel. But he's at that level. Somebody came to me and was like, "Man, we need our own Apple Music. What do you think about that? How are we gonna let's let's start that?" And I'm like, what? "I mean, that's that's such a huge feat right now. Right. If you can't even draw traffic to yourself within that framework, I think you should like learn how to do that first, and then we go to that. So in this situation, you can learn how this works." And you may be able to create your own, create your own service like right. that. But because, I didn't mean to interrupt, but go I was going to say, with the Apple example, right? You know, a lot of people forgetting Apple started off with a computer. Mm -hmm. They didn't start with the music component, right. right? So they was already making billions with the computer, mm -hmm. and then it branched off into the music, into the, the iTunes, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So. You know, a lot of our people, sometimes they see the big picture, but they don't see the legwork mm. behind it. So they're just moving along with the times, like you said, we need to do. Absolutely. You know, we start with one thing, do it successfully, then we can branch off to do something else. Yeah, and we don't always have to start big, you know. And when we, we talk to entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs, and we always look at business like we have to be a multinational corporation when we start off. No, you can start off where you are. You can start off as a vendor. You know, you can go uh, street vendor, sidewalk vendor. Right. Start off as a vendor. Start out on it. You can go on the Internet and start off selling your products on the Internet. You can start off with eBay, a website, and you can mail order your products. E-commerce, you can start there. You don't have to start off uh, as big as Amazon. Start off where you are. You see, all of these people had a start, and we all started a point. Let's get started. Now, you was talking about Jay-Z. Uh, Jay-Z started off hustling. Right. <laughs> but even though he have his own platform title, you still can find his music on Apple. Yeah, it just went up Wednesday, I think, last Wednesday. When you're in business, you understand that you want your product, product as in many stores as possible. You see, you can own your own store, but you want your product in as many stores as possible. Right. If you have a loaf of bread, you know, you can find it at the at the Walmart or the or the Kroger, but you can also find it at the local 7-Eleven or the, the local gas station or the neighborhood store. Like there's a Nike outlet, but you can find Nikes in Foot Locker and Active Academy. Active Academy. Yeah. Right. So I see what you're so saying. So you want you want your uh, product in as many outlets as possible. The physical store and the virtual store. Right. E-commerce. We don't want to miss that piece. We wanted to draw it out in this this uh, episode. That's a new technology has created new um, emerging markets and new opportunities, business opportunities that we can explore. 
at this moment, I want to talk about some businesses who are giving us opportunity. All right. By supporting this podcast. The first company who supports the Business Building Blocks podcast is Nations Products. Right. Nations Products, you can find them on Facebook at Nations Products. You can like their Facebook page. And they're constantly post- posting the different literacy books and all the different things that they have on their website as far as bringing reading to, you know, our people. That's right. So especially, it's especially good. Especially our youth and our children. Definitely. Uh, uh, Nation Products is a child literacy, they are child literacy advocates. There we go. Because uh, leaders read and readers, is it readers lead and leaders read. Uh, so we have to uh, start our children off with reading. And uh, we also have a, a recipe book, Nadine's 19 Recipes. Uh, so we can eat, eat to live, you know, healthy foods. And uh, there also, there's another children book that we don't have a copy of. You, the, the, the soft copy is coming out. The uh, electronic copy is now available. Chemistry for children. You know, we have an aversion in our community uh, uh, of uh, studying math and science. You know, we, oh, no, it's too hard, you know. But it's not too hard. We just haven't been taught properly or introduced to the, those subjects properly. Because our forefathers uh, first studied uh, these uh, subjects, math and science. They use it to build civilizations. We have to be aware of that, our history, and also our potential in these subjects. So we have a chemistry for children book that's soon to be available in an actual copy, but you can get the the electronic. The physical copy. That's right. Yeah. Well, also, you want to do a public service announcement? Sure, sure. Um, The Final Call newspaper. We talked about independent black media. We talked about controlling our own story, telling our own story. And we can only do that if we have our own platform, our own media, then we can devote time to subjects that's meaningful to us instead of being vilified in the media um, uh, always the victim. You know? So now, thefinalcall.com is a national, international, black-owned and operated newspaper that covers news as it relates to our community. And uh, also... The Economic Blueprint. Go to economicblueprint.org. It is a fund established by Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam to uh, to acquire farmland, and this land will be used as economic uh, as the basis for economic development in our community. And uh, we want to start off with 200 million acres. We can start by feeding ourselves uh, from the food that's produced on this land. And then we can start building a whole new reality uh, in terms of every, all of the wealth come from the land, you see. So let's go after the land. That's economicblueprint.org. We're only asking for five cents a day. And that's lower than the Houston sales tax. <laughs> right. And the sales tax in Houston is 8.25% per dollar. So every time you spend a dollar, you got to give the city of Houston eight cents in sales tax. So we only ask for five cents a day. That's 35 cents a week, uh, $18.20 a year. 
and then we can begin to build a new reality for ourselves. Economicblueprint.org. I think this would be a good time to go deeper into our guest here, Brother Coach Cliff. Coach Cliff, right? Yes, sir. Coach Cliff King Chess League. I see yeah. on your shirt right here. Yes, sir. Well, tell us a little bit, introduce your business and, and what do what have you been doing as far as, you know, chess and everything like that. Okay. Um, my name is Coach Cliff. I am the founder and program director of King Chess League. We are primarily an after-school program uh, servicing students starting age three years old all the way up through college. Uh, we provide uh, chess activities um, as well as tournaments, and we strive to show life examples through the game of chess and helping our youth develop uh, their critical thinking skills. Um, we've been in operation for the past nine years, and we work with uh, all school systems, HISD. All right charter schools, private and parochial schools, nursery schools, churches, whoever uh, thinks that they, um, that the program will be beneficial for their students. Okay. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, from that, we've, ab we we've been able to take some of our students from inner city uh, and from all walks of life to uh, compete in state championships, national championships. Okay. Uh, so we have travel opportunities for some of our students. Mm. Um, field trips. Field trips. Right. Uh, believe it or not, there are colleges that give full scholarships for chess. Mm. And so we, you know, try to get our students, at least shed some light on that for our students. Okay. Uh, you know, for the most part, our background, uh, I think Biggie said it best, is, you know, either selling crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot. You know, so a lot, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, you, you know, just coming up, we're thinking the only right. way we can go to school is if we get a, a ball scholarship. That's right. And, which is cool. I mean, I was an athlete when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there are, are alternatives. And so, I want to say there are three colleges, two colleges for sure, in Texas that give full-ride scholarships for chess players. Mm. So, we just try to get that exposure to some of our students just to let them know that there are, are alternatives. And... You know, if they can develop this skill early, then they can capitalize on it. You talk uh -huh. about developing the skill early. I want to know where did you get this knowledge of chess and where did this journey begin for you? Okay, so in short, um, my mother bought a real nice chess set um, for our home. Um, and I was in a situation to where I had moved out, you know, thought I could do it on my own and I had to move back home. Mm -hmm. So... I may have been around 19, 20 years old, and I'm cleaning the house every weekend, you know, just cleaning the living room, dusting off this chess set that nobody knows how to play. It's just a decoration piece. Mm -hmm. And one day I was like, man, you know, let me, my mother spent a lot of money on this chess set. Let me just at least know something about it. So I went and got an encyclopedia, and I looked up chess. Mm -hmm. And it had the history of the game, uh, how the pieces moved, and stuff like that. So I would, started moving the pieces around according to what I was reading. And I was like, man, you know, this is forcing me to think ahead. It's forcing me to think two or three steps ahead. <clears throat> and so the next thought was, man, how come I didn't learn this when I was younger? 
you know, I was like, man, this seemed like something that I would have gotten into if I was younger. So you you wasn't a young child. Were you uh, out of high school? I or? was out of high school. Um, I, I may have been like 19 or 20. Wait, were you in college at the time? I was in college. Um, so you was a college athlete? I was a college athlete. I played okay. football at U of H. All right, then. Oh, okay. Um, but at this particular point, <clears throat> I was kind of going through that phase a lot of college students go through, like, man, school, not for me, just trying to find my way. Mm -hmm. And so I think at that particular time, I had stopped going to school briefly. Mm -hmm. And so when I discovered how to play, I said, man, I should have learned this when I was younger. Mm. But then I started thinking, how come I didn't learn this when I was younger? Then I started thinking about, well, how many of my friends know how to play chess? It's like nobody, nobody I grew up with. Right. And then I was thinking, well, you know what? I need to start, you know, before, before I started teaching, I was like, you know, I know one person I went to school with out of like 12 years who had some knowledge how to play. Right. So I called him up. I was like, hey, man, I want to play you in chess. He was like, what? You know, you want to play chess? <laughs> All right. So we connected. We played a couple of times. He beat me like 20 times. Mm. But I kept wanting to play. And I was like, well, you know, one, I'm going to get you one of these days. So I started just practicing. Every moment I got, I was like, man, I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice. But then at the same time, I was like, man, if I would have learned this when I was like six or seven, mm -hmm. then I wouldn't have made a bunch of mistakes later on in life just, just because it forces you to think ahead. Ahead of time, right. And so... I made it a point to every child that I came across, I was like, hey, I'm going to show you this new game. I'm going to show you this new game. <laughs> so you, you were know? bringing chess to the hood. Yeah, so I just started just started just showing children how to play. Mm -hmm. And then um, I ended up getting a job at a, at a nonprofit organization. And it was it was kind of like a, a, a summer camp type thing. And so, uh, you know, the children, they was swimming, they was playing basketball and football, they was having a good time. But in the meantime, I was like, look, I'm going to show you how to play this new game. And so from that, when I had children asking me, like, hey, you want to go play basketball today? No, we want to play that game you showed us yesterday. <laughs> hey, you want to go swimming today? No, we want to play that game you showed us yesterday. So I was like, wow, okay, so they're really taken to it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, you know what? If I can make a living, it's always in the back of my mind. I was like, if I can make a living doing something like this, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. You know, because they love doing it and it's a positive activity for them to do. To do. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into the school systems, I was like, man, you know, there are not a lot of after-school programs in our communities. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I want to go start an after-school program, you know, starting mm -hmm. in our community. Um, the research has been out there for years that if it's nothing for children to do between the hours of three and six, that's when crime goes up. Right. And the biggest unemployed segment is our teenage, our young people. Right, right. And so, um, you know, I prayed over it, and I was like, man, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Mm. You know, um, it, it, it went back to the, the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Right. You know, it was like, do for self. And I was like, man, this is this is perfect. You know, I've always worked with youth. Um, and so I was like, you know, this this is right on my alley. This this is perfect. And so I started in our communities. I started going to the schools just offering, you know, a chess program. Mm. And, um, you know, I got a lot of doors slammed in my face. I got a lot of people telling me, right. that, you know, like, what are you talking about? After school program, you know. But then school started saying, hey, we want to try it. Mm. And it just took off from there. All right, that's mm. a definite success story. There. <laughs> uh, so you, um, I see a lot of people saying, "Oh, 
we playing chess, they playing checkers. Right, right. I mean, I mean, I mean, we playing checkers, they playing they chess. Playing chess. Yeah, yeah. So, what what parallels does this game like between society and the game of chess? Are there any parallels? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, just in in normal vernacular, you know, a lot of people use chess terms that's based on the game. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody um, when you feel like you got the upper hand, street talk, you're like, man, I got that brother in check. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Your brother not going to do so nothing. That's where that from. Yeah, <laughs> you know, check me and King is in danger. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, when you listen to a lot of political talk and they say that with this health care bill, you got the Republicans and the Democrats not agreeing on uh, Affordable Health Care Act or Obamacare. They're, they're at a stalemate. That's a right. chess term. Mm. When they're saying that people can be easily be sacrificed, you know, or, you know you're just being used as a pawn. Right. You know, in this particular situation, we're pawns. Well, we all pawns. Yeah, we all pawns. <laughs> so pawns are the smallest piece on the chessboard with the least value, and they're easily sacrificed. Mm. So it's a lot of parallels uh, between chess and just everyday life. And so where it relates to us, I think a lot of us as black people, because of our condition, and, you know, especially with the younger generation, we have become a reactive people instead of a logical thinker. Proactive. Proactive. Right. And so when certain situations happen, we react. We're quick to react instead of thinking it all the way through. And so what I found, at least just from my perspective, that chess forces you to not react. It forces you to actually think think a problem or a situation all the way through. Because in chess, you make a move, you touch a piece and make a move, the move is final. You can't take it back. Uh, actually, whatever piece you touch, you have to move it. So that creates a discipline, a mental discipline that says even before I touch the piece, I have to be for certain that I want to move it because there's no coming back from that. Well, how does that relate? Well, I tell my students or I tell, tell my children, you know, sometimes something happens and you say certain words, you can't take those words back. Mm-hmm. Something happens, uh, you know, once you do certain things in this life, you can't take it back. So you're going to have to think it through. And, you know, you know, wise man said, think five times before you speak. That's right. You know. <laughs> I was thinking of that while you were you saying that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I tell my students, you need to think five times before you touch the piece. And you need to play out the millions of scenarios that can happen as a result of you moving this piece. Mm. It's 64 squares on the board, but I think the last mathematical number of possibilities of movements, it's in the billions on the chessboard. Mm. They said there was more moves on the chessboard than it is atoms in the universe. Mm. So, I mean, you wrote a book. Yes, sir. Is, it, is this uh, chess, the principles of life, principles? This this is what you uh what Yes, sir. It's, um, it's chess principles equal life principles. Okay. So it's a, it's a good read even if you know nothing about the game of chess. Okay. Um, and what it's using is using chess terms and how it relates to everyday life uh, situations and, and, and life principles. So how how could they, is it on the market? How could how could they get that book? Definitely, if you go to kinghouston.org, dot org, mm-hmm. uh, you can purchase it online there. All right, All right. So um, it's it's funny because I feel like. Our people playing playing this game is not well. It's not we're not known for that, right? Right. So, right. 
have you had, because I feel like people think maybe black children wouldn't want to play chess. Right. And I hear you saying they took to it fast. Have you ever had a student or somebody who wasn't really into it and you had to kind of inspire them in a way, like relate it to them in a way? Right. I think that it's, with a lot of things, it's how it's presented. Mm-hmm. Like when we was in school, when I was in school, we had like a little chess club, but from my standpoint, we was like, man, that's lame. Like, you know, that's right. not something that we do. That's for the nerds. Right. You know, that, that, that was just a thought. That, I'm just being that's, real. That's how they intellectually assassinate us. Right, right. And the same thing with math and science or uh, um, academics in general. Right. You're a nerd if you're smart. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's uh, contributing to our self-destruction. Right, I agree. Because we, we are encouraged now to uh, shy away from books, shy away from intelligent things. And to, uh, particularly the males, to be uh, 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 physical, to be an athlete. And then if most, the majority of us are not going to make it to the pros. Right. So I remember when you was talking about U of H. Well, Isaiah went to U of H. Yeah, I ran track at U of H. Made the track team after injury. I think he was competing for the state competition in in high school and track. Yeah, yeah. As a a non-traditional black sport. Pole vaulting. Right, right. <laughs> you know, we are not introduced to certain things, and so we're not aware of that opportunity. Right. We're just not introduced to chess. Right, right. And um, I want to say just one school that I could think of off the top of my head. It was a, uh, it's a predominantly black school. The school, when I went and pitched the idea, I pitched it as an after-school program. Mm-hmm. But the principal at the time and the assistant principal... They saw the value in it, and they said, you know what? We want to make it an elective. And so they brought me in to do it as an elective. But when they first told the, the students, I'll never forget, it was an eighth-grade class, and they came and they told the students, they brought me in, and it was like 30 students, and they were like, hey, we're not going to do PE two days out of the week or three days out of the week. We're going to do chess instead. Oh, that just a look. Yeah. What? We're going to do what? Who is that? What are you talking about? Right. And I was just looking like, oh, this is going to be an uphill battle. Because I, I got, not only am I introducing something new, but I'm take, they're taking away something that they love doing. Right. And so it was kind of like throwing me to the wolves. It's like, okay, you know, it is. But I would say that after the first class, the first week, mm-hmm. the way I presented it to them, it was like, hey, you coming back next week? You coming back tomorrow? We want to do this. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, they got it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and then I think, you know, just, you know, with us in general, the competitive nature <clears throat> of us, you know, we do things with a little swag anyway. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we trash talking on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's normal. Yeah, you know, we yeah, sit quietly yeah, and, you know, they nah, silent man, make moves. Man. Nah, you know, we we only do that when it's when it's competition time, like tournament time. But other than that, classroom and all that, man, we trash talking. And, <laughs> you know, it, it sounds no different from a basketball court in some cases. Right. So I think that it's the way that it's presented. It wasn't presented to me in a way that I would accept it as as a youth, as a high school student, as a middle school student. Mm-hmm. And so I had to I had that roadblock, man. Like it's too hard for me to learn. Like I can't, you know, it's too difficult. Mm. You know, until you learn that black people created chess. Right. And you sitting back like, oh, okay. What do you mean by that? We we created chess? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like, didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah, you know, chess was created um, by the Moors. Mm. 
um, as a way to protect, you know, their their nation from the European invaders. Oh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. So I always thought that it was a, a military strategy. It is. It is. And uh, these uh, forts, and I just recently learned that there were forts in Africa, the original. Right. Uh, is that what they call forts? But uh, uh, castles. Castles. In, in, Chester called, yeah. in Chester called Rooks. And Rooks. They're, on the, they're on the corner. They start in the corner of the chessboard, mm-hmm. which represents the architecture of a nation. Mm. And so... You know, if I would have learned that, if somebody would have even just said that to me, you know, as as a youngster, I would have I would have taken a little, at least some interest into it. Like we created that. Mm. Like if even if you look at um, and you can just Google images of pyramids, mm-hmm. they have they have uh, Egyptians playing chess on some of the walls of the pyramids. Oh man! And so, you know, a lot of times, just what I what I found, just with myself and just with youth in general, you know, if you can see yourself or somebody who looks like you doing something, then of course it's going to be easier for you to take to it. That, that inspires you. That inspires you. Right. You know, now you inspire me. All right, so when, you know, I just took my, my, my younger children to like a tennis event. Now, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I was that age, you, you wouldn't find any of us at a tennis event. Right. But when they asked, and it was literally a thousand children out there. And it was a lot of black children out there. Mm. And so when they got on the microphone and said, who, raise your hand if you know Serena Williams, Vince Williams. <sighs> That's right. You know, it was, you know, how many of us was doing golf? Like, it's easy for us to get into golf now just because Tiger was yeah. there. That's right. You know, just, just the position of President Obama just having the position in the White House. Like, my seven-year-old knows nothing other than a black person being... You know, the, the head chief the, of the staff. so-called leader of the free world. Right, and so <laughs> just the idea of somebody who looked like you doing it, mm-hmm. it's easier for you to take to it. You know, and so it's just a, a matter of presentation. Mm-hmm. And so my son, when he was four, I taught him how to play when he was four. Mm-hmm. And he got it immediately. And the next thing I know, he was playing people that were older than him, and he was beating people. People was like in awe, like, oh, Okay. You know, and it's like, you know, y'all do tournaments. We go to a lot of tournaments, and we're underrepresented. We're not at the tournaments. Uh, you know, it's it's normally dominated with with um, with Asians mm-hmm. and with Indians. They primarily uh, dominate the chess world. You know, for children. Um, and so when we come in and we do well at the tournaments, you know, it raises eyebrows. Mm. But I will also say that with those cultures, they understand. They understand the value of education, mm-hmm. you know, from the cradle or even before the cradle. That's right. And so, you know, chess is one of those activities that works both sides of the brain simultaneously. It's one of the few activities that does that. Now, music does that. Music does that as well. Right. And that's why, you know, uh, other cultures really understand the concept of playing like music while the baby's in the womb. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll Usually play classical music, classical music or jazz. Jazz, okay. You know, in the womb because of what it does to the brain. Mm. And so it's the same thing when it comes to, you know, to chess. And like I tell students, you know, get involved with something like that. Chess, robotics, you know, something that will spark an interest, you know, for you to do after school. But we need to be in a position to offer those things. 
You know, if we go to our schools and in, in our communities, for the most part, it's nothing to do after school except for sports. Mm-hmm. When I go teach chess in other communities, they have chess, robotics, fencing, mm-hmm. equestrian, right. you know, th- lacrosse. Yeah. And it's like things that we haven't even heard of. Mm-hmm. And so our children, you know, if they have options and they take to those options, you know, just just to give them exposure. If they like it, they're gonna they're gonna excel. That's right. That's right. Mm. And I, I, I'm 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 uh, thank you for the work that you're doing. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm so uh, proud to have you on the show and part of business building blocks. And I th- I think there's a need for your business uh, to expand. You know, I know uh, HISD is one of the largest school districts in in the country, but we need that we need this nationwide. We need this right. everywhere. We I don't know how you how you duplicate uh, our chapters of, of the King's uh, Chess League, but we need other chapters. He's well, actually working on something national, and it was right. funny we thought about it at the same time. <laughs> same time. So tell us about what you're doing with the HBCUs around the country. Okay, so we have a nonprofit organization called HBCU Chess Federation. Okay. Um, the way that came about is... A lot of my students who I started off teaching back in the day, they're in college. Mm. TSU, Prairie View, Wally, Jarvis. And every time I run into them, they're like, hey, man, your class, that was the best class I ever taken. You know, I still play and, man, I wish I could compete. And once I got that enough times, I was like, you know what? They do have college competitions, but every time I I go to tournaments and their college competitions, there are no HBCUs. And so we formed the HBCU Chess Federation, and we're going to host the first ever national HBCU chess championships. Um, It's going to be next April. It's going to be hosted at Wheatley. Okay. And so um, we're going to invite, and we're going to do a push to to invite all HBCU HBCU students who want to compete in chess. Now, you said Wheatley. I just wanted to clarify that. That's, that's Wheatley High School in Wheatley Houston, High School. Texas. Yes, sir, in Houston, Texas. But this is going to be a college conference. It's going to be a college tournament. Tournament. It's going to be held at Wheatley. High School at in Wheatley Houston, High Texas. School. Yes, sir. All right. And what? so um, we do have uh, hbcuchess.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hashtag chess matters. Okay. And so um, we're going to be scholarshipping or um, giving cash prizes in the amount of $10,000 to the top three students who finish. All right. And so um, we're going to have more information uh, when school starts, when the semester starts for this upcoming school year. Mm. The historic Wheatley High School. historic Wheatley High School. Barbara Jordan, alumni. Right. Um, I think George Foreman, alumni. Fifth Ward. Fifth Ward. They are actually... um, they jumped at the opportunity to host it there, um, and they wanted to tie it into like the hundredth anniversary mm. of, uh, of the school being there. It's definitely a landmark That's right. uh, in Houston, and so um, that was one of the the best places that we can host the tournament at. That's right. huge, man. That man, that that's gonna be a huge event because that that has me thinking about you know how 
you can watch the spelling bee on ESPN. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. I see right. this going there. Like this right. being like right. a huge sporting event, you know. Yeah. It remind me of the great debaters. Right. The great debaters, you know. I think the great debaters that it Wally. was in Wally, Wally. Wally, Texas. Wally, Texas. Uh Denzel Washington started the movie. Right. right. I mean, that that's this is to me the modern great debaters. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm humbled by that, and then I'm thankful for it. Uh, I got a, I have a student, a former student, who just got accepted, got scholarship to Wally. Mm. And um, I'm pretty sure she's going to participate in this tournament. And so um, we're going to live stream it. Um, we're making it a weekend event. Okay. Um, we're going to start off, we're having a, a kickoff concert, like a pep rally concert that Friday. The competition is going to be Saturday and Sunday mm. uh, that weekend. And uh, we're also going to get um, elementaries and junior highs and high schools involved with it as well. Mm. And so the, the the message is to highlight black excellence. You know, and so we want to bring chess awareness to the HBCUs, but we also want to um, spread it out to the communities in the cities where HBCUs are. Right. And so we're going to have chapters. Um, so you have, you have uh, college chapters and also um, high school. Right. Well, the college chapters are going to have the outreach programs to go into the schools. After school program. Right. Okay, I see. Right. So so that's that's the movement right now. So you, you have to build your organization in order to do outreach to travel to these HBCUs to give you a presentation. Correct. To expand the concept. Correct. And sound like you seeded it with your students. I seeded it with the students. You seeded your students. Right, then you go right. Ahead. And, and read network, connect with your students. Right, right. That was That's a wild genius man. how that played out. A wise man going around <laughs> planting Plant seeds. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, Chess has taught me to be strategic. Um, our board members uh, for the HBCU uh, Chess Federation are all uh, HBCU alums from different parts of the country. And so, um, you know, so we, it, it's, it's a movement that we're looking to, um, to inspire the younger generation. I mean, we just, this past week, the big news in the sports world, part of the big news in the sports world, was this seventh grader going into eighth grade who was given this football scholarship. Mm. And so, he's like, man, seventh grader is getting this football scholarship to a college. You know, what if he changes his mind and don't want to play football? You know what I'm saying? You know, how how is it going to affect, you know, but just the, just the point that they're coming after our students athletically right. as young as seventh grade, then we could, we could do the same thing academically. Yeah, we could we, do the we, same we, thing we, academically. Particularly with the, with the boys, you know, uh, the, the scripture. And I, I want to make a disclaimer. Uh, last episode, we talked about the selling of the Negro mm -hmm. and uh, how that related to uh, slavery and the religious justification, which was that we were, we were cursed black and we talked about Ham, you know, he's supposed to be encouraged black, but he was the son of Noah, you know? Right. <laughs> Ham was the son of Noah. He wasn't the son of Abraham. I like to, I made that mistake on last episode. But the justification for, for slavery and our maltreatment was sanctified with this uh, curse. And, and, and for everything what you're saying, I don't believe we curse black. Right. We blessed to be black, right? And the secret is that's a lie. The white supremacy uh, description of us 
of being uh, less intelligent than being, uh, you know, evil. You know, all of these stereotypes. It's crazy. It seems like every episode or when we have a guest up here, I keep learning about things that come from us, but that we are being reintroduced to. Right. Which is crazy. Like, <laughs> Right. And, and like I said, you know, um, if it's introduced to us, we excel at it. I'll give an example of my son here. He, he started playing when he was four. But, you know, as he got older, he started to do other things. Took to music, took to sports. And at one point, you know, he wasn't playing chess for like a year or two. And so I was prepping my students to go to the state championship. And I think, and we were homeschooling at, at the time. He was okay. eighth grade. But at the time, he, he hadn't played chess in like a year or two. And I don't try to force my children to do chess because I'm doing chess. Mm -hmm. So I, we were getting ready to go to, I forgot where it was, uh, McAllen, Texas. And so maybe like two or three days before, I said, Dad, I want to go do the, the state championship. And in my mind, I was thinking, he ain't played chess in like two years. Yeah. You know, like, you want to go, go to the state championship? <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, you know, let's go. And so we get there, and he gets fifth in the state. Oh, man. And oh. so I, I was sitting there thinking, like, man, he did this, and he ain't really played in like a year or two. Mm. Just imagine if he put in the work, if that's what he decided to do. But, I mean, mm. just, it was kind of like, yeah, I want to go. And just, just on a whim. Like. Just on a whim. <laughs> but I like, I like instill the, the the idea of instilling that, uh, introducing it to him at a young age. Go ahead and introduce. Go ahead and say something on the mic. Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> Tell him your name, bro. Oh, my name is Brother Kyrie Muhammad. Absolutely. Okay, how did you do that? Oh, <laughs> That's what we wanted to do. I don't know. I was just playing a lot. Like when we went on the trip, I was practicing a lot on the bus and stuff like that. Okay. Man. So you never forgot the lessons your father taught you at a young age. It became no, a it became a part of you. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you proved it. I mean, the results speak for themselves. Man, just make it look easy. Just when you, <laughs> yeah, and sure. And and if if I'm playing them now and I'm not paying attention, he'll get me. Yeah, he'll get me. But I like that the the principles of life. And the transferable principles, I think that we should learn uh, because chess is like fighting a war, but also football. Are these, you know, the other team is the opponent. Right. And you strategizing. Well, I, I mean, uh, I, uh, the play, you huddle up and you come up with a play and you strategizing against another opponent. And then you learn these principles, whether it's in a, in a game or in a sport. And as mature, as we mature in adulthood, we should transfer those skills into life or even into business. Right, definitely. And like, you know, majority of my students are athletes. Majority of my chess players are athletes. But I tell them, I say, hey, man, this will help you out on the football field. This will help right. you in basketball. My son played every position in basketball. And it'll be a play that happens if he's running a point guard and he'll do something. And he'll come back and he'll say, you know what, I did that because... You know, when I made this pass and this over this happened, this happened. So he saw it on the court maybe five steps ahead. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, that's chess. Right. That's chess because you're thinking ahead and you're making a plan and you're making a strategy to implement the plan. And so that's what it is. And if you can just 
convert that, like you said, transfer it yeah, over see, to... See, this came from when I was in high school, and I went to Cashmere, mm-hmm. which, which Cashmere <laughs> came out of out of Wheatley. Okay. As, as the years progressed, uh, the enrollment grew, so they split the school and started Cashmere. But I played football all the way up, and my coach, Coach uh, Coach Felder, he was a, 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 a recognizer uh, coach for years. And he told us in my graduating class, my last day at school, he said, he said, y'all been playing football all these time, all these years, but most of you all would not go to college. The majority of you all will go to prison. He said, more of you will go to prison than to go to college. And then I sat and looked at him. I'm wondering why is he telling me that in my senior year? Right. And I've wasted four years of focusing on sports. You see, and we're not focusing on life, careers, our future. We all got a ball in our hand. Right. And we all black men. And he telling me most of us would go to prison. Yeah, I was one of the few that went to college. But I thought something was wrong with our our teachers and our coaches and our leaders, our preachers, our teachers, our coaches, if we are here uh, playing games and playing sports and run up and down the field, and they not telling us, preparing us for life, preparing us for adulthood, manhood, being a father, you know, being a husband, and being a provider, then something is wrong here and as a and, and and I'm just sharing it was all of the coaches and all of the teachers and all of right. the preachers prepare our children for life. I'll say I've gotten this more since I started teaching chess professionally. I run into brothers, and I just ran into a brother, uh, a friend of mine who just did 20 years. Mm. But I run into brothers when brothers see my shirt. Hey, what's that chess? You teach chess? You play chess? I said I teach. Man, I learned how to play when I was in prison. Mm. I wish I would have learned before that because it would have right. saved me from going. Right. Because it teaches you not to make mistakes. Right. I get that all the time when I meet brothers who have been incarcerated at some point in their life. Most of the brothers learn. They ain't got nothing but time on their hand. So they learn so how to play. So they probably committed that crime in an in a emotional reaction. Right. Or just not thinking all the way through. They had a permanent decision for a temporary problem. Right. Uh, yeah, we coming to the end of the podcast here. We want to thank you so much for coming on, dropping that me. knowledge. <laughs> we learned a lot, as always, and when right. our guests come on. One last time, can you uh, tell them how they can stay informed on, on the HBCU stuff you're working on and all the different businesses? All right, definitely. Um, if you go to hbcuchess.org, um, we'll have uh, information about the HBCU uh, chess tournament, national chess tournament that's coming up, or you can also reach out to uh, us at kinghouston.org. Right. Um, that's our website where we have the books, and it also goes into our scholastic programs that we have throughout the city. Are you on social media? Social media. Um, if you go to, you know, my wife, my wife handles all the social media. She's the the, uh, the tech exec okay. uh, for the business. So if you go to hbcuchess.org, uh, and um, I know the hashtag is 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 chess matters. Okay, um, right. And you can get the book on your website. On right? the website, it's kinghouston.org. All right, then. Well, this is the Business Building Blocks podcast. 
Can you give our listeners one block that you think will make them successful really fast before we get out of here? Oh, wow. I'm going to just, what I tell my students, think before you move, think before you speak, think before you act. All right. <laughs> this is the Business Building Blocks podcast. You have the blocks. Now get to building. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you, and see you next week. Most of your dreams are likely, 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 likely.